think the big question is, how do we find that sweet spot between fantasy and creativity? That space where expansive doesn't mean abandoning all the good that's all around us. Welcome to Consciously, a podcast focused on honest conversation by regular people and for regular people seeking spiritual growth. Hey, Consciously, welcome back. It's Menachem Posnansky. Uh, thanks for joining us. I am excited about today's episode, kind of combining three different themes, series that we did. We have our What Does That Mean series. And then we had a blast from the past, our Lessons from Lucy series, and then uh, just life. So I don't know which series it fits into, but, uh, you know, we're here. Uh, Before we get started, though, if you're new, you're just joining us for the first time, I want to remind you to please subscribe, give us a five-star review, um, share us with your friends. That's the best way to get the word out on this cool project that we're trying to do here. Also, uh, I invite you to check out our social media pages, uh, The Light Revealed, is the main one. I'm trying to move everybody over to that. There's also Consciously 62 and Menachem Puz um, because I like to make things complicated. So you can check us out over there. Also check out the books, uh, Consciously Six Steps to Living Vibrantly with Our Creator and uh, Stepping Out of the Abyss, A Jewish Guide to the 12 Steps. Okay, here we go. Okay, so there is this viral video going around of Rav Moshe Weinberger and he's telling a joke. Eh, it's Funny, I mean, it's funny to see him do it, Um, but if you haven't seen it, it's kind of going around uh, neo-Hasidic five towns WhatsApp. But but, uh, anyway, so in the uh, the video, he tells a joke about three Jews who were in some kind of accident and they die in a little dark, and uh, they end up in a dark space. And uh, one is a Breslover, one's a Lubavitcher, one's... uh, not from the school of Hasidus. And uh, the the wrestler is sitting there, and Rabbi Nachman comes and pulls him out, and the Rebbe comes and pulls him out. And uh, the Jew who's not affiliated with Hasidus or the light of Panimia Satora, you know, his Rav comes, or Rebbe, or Rosh Hashiva comes, and, you know, looks at him and says, I told you so. <laughs> I told you to end up here. So uh, anyway, that got me thinking. It got me thinking about a couple things. First of all, the way in which we talk to each other, and also like what the story highlights, not to over-intellectualize a joke, but what the joke highlights is the fact that part of the draw of Panimia Torah, and particularly the streams of Breslov and Chabad, and where those two powerful energies and lights intersect, is an attempt on the part of people that oftentimes partake in those wisdoms to find a path where they feel at home and they don't feel shamed for what's wrong with them, right? Ostensibly. And what's funny about people that are oftentimes in that journey seeking out Hasidus is that they oftentimes, and this is something that's been reported back to me so often, oftentimes as much as they appreciate and enjoy learning the books of Hasidus, the teachings of Hasidus, they themselves still suffer. They still hear the voices of their parents or their rebbeim or whoever it was that told them that they were not good enough or that they were hopeless or, you know, a low yitzlach or whatever it is, uh, someone who's never going to be successful. You know, those voices are actually still there. That's oftentimes what happens to people. And they, they oftentimes 
torture and abuse those individuals, even years after they've already separated themselves from the individuals that gave them these ideas that made them hate themselves. So, and it's funny that we can't let go of those things. And that gets you wondering, like, why do people do that? Why do we have such a hard time letting go of those kind of old ideas? And why do, what is the source of that voice that continuously tells us that we're not good enough? I told you so, and it's never going to work out. So obviously a lot of that voice comes from our Yitzhahara, our the inclination to evil. That's what we're, we were taught as kids. And we've talked about growing and evolving the way in which we interpret the label Yetzirahara and trying to see that the Yetzirahara is not even our enemy necessarily, but rather a complicated energy that we have to grapple with in our journey towards trying to become our best self. But it gets you thinking, like, what is this whole Yetzirahara thing? So I saw this fascinating story that's brought down in a Breslov Safer. It's not really a story. It's really just like a it's, a, it's a side point. I forgot where it is. But nonetheless, it's a footnote in Sikha Zaran, um, which is the teachings of, of Rabbi Nachman of Breslov, where Rabbi Nachman, Rabbi Nassim reports that Rabbi Nachman said that if it was up to him, he would rename the Yetzahara the Koach Hamadame, the imagination. And that got me thinking a lot. Got, got me thinking a lot, because why would you call the Yetzirah our imagination? It would seem like imagination is good. And then also, it makes it seem like creativity is bad, because if the Yetzirah is the Kohamadame, then creativity, which is where our imagination, or creativity comes from our imagination, you know, then creativity would be bad. So, you know, what's that about? And then I was thinking about Lucy, because I noticed that I think she's dreaming. Like, she'll fall asleep, and then she'll be, like, clearly, like, thinking about something, playing some kind of narrative through her head, and, and like, moving her feet or shifting herself. Like, something's going on there while she's sleeping. It's not like uh, lights out. And that got me wondering, like, do animals dream? So then I did some research. And there actually is a lot of, I mean, obviously we've never been in their heads, so we don't know, but, but there's a lot of research which suggests, including like brain scans that suggest that animals have imagination. So that got me thinking, right? Because one of the things that the, the Tanya teaches is that the Yetzirahara is actually the inclination of the Nefesh HaBahamas, right? We've talked about this before in the podcast, that people are composed of these two parts. There's our material self, our self that's oriented towards the material and physical world, that's called the Nefesh HaBahamas. And then there's a part of ourselves which is oriented towards the spiritual, and that's called a Nefesh HaLokis. And the Nefesh HaBahamas is called the Nefesh HaBahamas because it tends to operate instinctually. It's primarily driven by its feelings, by how it feels about a circumstance. It thinks about what it likes as opposed to liking what it thinks about, right? The Nefesh kiss, on the other hand, is driven predominantly by its thoughts. And the Tanya explains that the Yetzirah, the thing that we identify as the Yetzirah, which as kids was supposed to be some kind of dastardly character that's out to get us and out to trip us up and get us to do things that are wrong that we don't really want to do. You know, even in the imagery of cartoons, you had a, an angel on one shoulder and a devil on the other, the devil representing the Yetzirah. But what the Tanya explains is that it's not actually a devil, a devil, a devilish. It's it's a trickster, and it uh, has a funny way of operating. But ultimately, it's the will of the Nefesh Bahamas, 
And the Nefesh Bahamas is our spiritual self that is oriented to, towards this world. But because the Nefesh Bahamas is driven by its emotions, because it's driven by what it feels, its Yetzirah, its will, is to fulfill what's going to feel good and oftentimes, therefore, what feels good in the moment. Because the Yetzirah, the Nefesh Bahamas, can be short-sighted, just like animals can be short-sighted. They don't think about often what they're eating or that what they're eating is going to give them a stomach ache or other things like that. Just like we, you know, uh, feels good, I want ice cream, so I eat ice cream, even though I'm going to regret it later. Okay, so that's the Yetzirah. The Yetzirah is that impulsive drive within us to engage this world in a short-sighted, material-fixated way. So what does that have to do with imagination? And in order to understand that, we have to get a better look at what creative is, because creativity is the manifestation of our imagination. And creativity, if we look in the teachings of Hasidus, one of the really powerful things that the Tanya points out in Shayichar Ve'amunah is that the separation between God and human beings is that God is a being, an essence, an existence that creates something from nothing, right? God can create the nothingness and from nothingness create somethingness. And humans are beings that can form somethingness through creativity to be a different somethingness. And the example that he uses is this is why when God creates the world, he has to hold the world in existence because its natural state is to not exist, and therefore he holds it in existence. And that has to do with the fact that all of our existence is an affirmation that God loves us and wants us here because he's holding us in existence. But a human being can create something, and that something that the human being creates doesn't have to be held together because he's not creating a new thing. He's rather just forming it into something that it wasn't before. So creativity, at least in the lens of Panimia Satora, is the idea of taking a something and forming it into a new something that is the same as the something that was before, but yet more beautiful. So I'm taking the artisan taking a block of silver and making it into a beautiful goblet. And the goblet is not something that can be useful, and it's something that's inspiring, and something people can love, but yet it's still just a block of silver, just shaped differently. What we have is two forms of creativity. We have the creation of something which previously did not exist, and then we have the creation of something into something new, but it was something before. And if we think about it, this is really the separation between the spiritual side, the Nefesh Elokis, and the Nefesh Bahamas. The Nefesh Elokis is trying to connect with nothingness, right? To transform nothingness into somethingness by engaging nothingness and drawing that nothingness into reality, the nothingness being, right, not nothingness, but godliness, everythingness, right? Whereas the Nefesh Bahamas is thinking about how it can utilize the world around it for the intention of good. Now, could be the intention of bad, but it could be the intention of good. Right? The Nefesh of Bahamas is trying to think about how it could utilize the material around them in the interests of its own pleasure and its own accomplishment, or in the interest of fulfilling whatever mission it call, it's called to. Nonetheless, its creativity is not driven towards creating something new, but rather taking the material or the energy that's already there and shaping it and forming it into a kind of energy that can be transmitted or can produce, produce sustenance, produce enjoyment, produce pleasure, produce life. And so the creativity, the imagination of the Nefesh Bahamas is conceptualizing how it can leverage energy or power or somethingness towards its goal, that goal being good or not good or 
an unrevealed good. Nonetheless, it's a kind of imagination that's limited. It's restricted to the some things that make up the person's life. So the separation between the imagination per se of a human versus the imagination of an animal is that an animal is restricted to its own context. It can't imagine a world, can't conceptualize a world outside of itself. Whereas the human part, the divine part of the human, is the part that can imagine, begin to picture something outside of itself. And so the Yitzhahara, the will of the Nefesh Bahamas, the Koach Hamedame, the imagination and creativity of that life force is expansive, creative, but limited. And what does that have to do with that voice that tells us we're not good enough? Well, the reason why the Sahara is so stuck those kinds of messaging is because it's stuck in its own way. It only sees the world in a very two-dimensional space. It can't get outside of its own reality. And so when we try to do something new, we try to do something fantastic, amazing, original, and by that I mean something divine, something truly creative, in the image of our creator, in the image of something from nothing, the Nefesh HaBahamas, the Yetzirah resists. It says, no, it can't be. It's not going to work out. See, I told you so. I told you it wouldn't work out. Don't take chances next time. It's too scary. It's too overwhelming. The message of that little joke that Rav Weinberger was taking over is that it's through the relationship often that we have with that tzaddik, with somebody who's living expansively, with somebody who's tapped into the divine, that we can see a reality outside of the dark hell that we oftentimes find ourselves in. We can begin to imagine a life outside of our problems. We can begin to have a truly open mind. But the last component that we really need to talk about is the role of fantasy. Because even if the Bahamas has dreams, even Lucy dreams a little bit, so where does that come into play? Isn't fantasy thinking expansively, thinking outside of myself? But as we reflect on it, what we can see is that oftentimes our fantasies are the ways in which we imagine we could do a better job at managing our lives. Oftentimes it's a delusion of escape outside of the reality we are in towards a reality that obviously would be better for us, that would obviously give us the satisfaction and happiness that we want. But those fantasies are limited because what they say is that the, the reality that I'm living in can't possibly be better. The rea- there can't possibly be under the surface lying a good that I'm not seeing in my life right now. I need to think outside of my life. I need to tap into a pleasure, an enjoyment, a type of success that I don't have. Or maybe even I'm going to fantasize from a place of jealousy about something that somebody else has. And oftentimes that's because the person is rejecting that they are exactly where they are meant to be. Which is a kind of funny thing because you would think that it's expansive to think outside of your reality. But when you're thinking outside of your reality in a way that's disconnected from your reality, you're rejecting the divinity that is present in your reality. You're rejecting the fact that there is unlimited potential in the reality you are in right now. And that doesn't mean that you can't change things. We can and should change things. We, have, we must. We must develop and grow and evolve and sprout and create new things. And oftentimes, as is expressed in the seedling, right, the seed has to go down to nothing before it can become the great something that it is meant to be, before that small seed that's in a fruit can become a fruit tree, it must dissolve into nothingness in the ground 
And then out of that sprouts a beautiful tree that you never could have seen there before. And yet the seed that created that tree is present throughout. Not only that, but the tree that produced the fruit that then created a tree is there present underneath. Change and growth, evolution, is not about rejecting where we are, but rather conceptualizing a beautiful, gorgeous, magnificent reality that lays beneath the surface that that has still gone yet unrevealed. A powerful, powerful expression of the ultimate somethingness, which is the nothingness of its surrender to all of reality that lays hidden beneath the somethingness that we see in front of us, the limitation that's all around us, the space of true creativity, true art, the sparks of the divine of life itself that lay underneath the surface. And so we have, what we have is, two manifestations of creativity. We have limited creativity, which is the creativity of the Nefesh Bahamas, the creativity of the Yitzhahara, which is rooted in a space of scarcity, and fear because it only has what it has, and therefore it's always trying to get out from what it is. And then we have the creativity of the divine, a powerful energy, a powerful vision of the infinite power that lays underneath the surface of our lives. You see, one fruit can create an infinite amount of fruits. That's where we see the presence of true infinity of true divine in that space of creation, imagining what we might be able to do if we leverage the power that's been gifted to us through God's kindness, grace, mercy, and love. And that means letting go of the fantasy of who we were supposed to be, who we should be. It means accepting the fact that part of growth sometimes means we feel like nothing because God's up to something. And when that happens in that dark, negative voice of disease, of Ra, crops up and says, see, I told you so. We could never be nothing more, anything more than we are. We can reject that and remind ourselves that we're on a journey toward a life beyond our wildest dreams. And for those listening to this at this time, it's Rosh Chodesh Kislev. It's the light that is embedded deep within the darkness. This month we have Yotes Kislev. We have Hanukkah. We have that light that even in darkness, even the darkness of exile, there is a powerful light, an energy, a meaningfulness for exactly where we are, that we are exactly where God wants us to be. And the question now is, what are we going to do about it? How are we going to utilize the opportunities that God has laid out before us? How are we going to get out of the way and start to get in line with the universe becoming something, a powerful something that is greater than anything we could have ever imagined? listening to the Consciously Podcast. Consciously is a project of The Living Room, which is a division of Our Place New York, and made possible by the kindness of the Capellius family, in memory of Tzipora Basravaro. The host of Consciously is Menachem Posnanski. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can give us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcasts. We sincerely welcome and appreciate your feedback, so please feel free to email us or on our Instagram and Facebook. Show.